You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 130 for Monday the 3rd of December 2018. My guest today is Alyssa Grosso, the author of the YA novels Popular, Ferocity Summer and Shallow Pond, as well as the non-fiction book How to Make Money Selling Vintage Items on Etsy. She's also written a couple of thrillers, Girl Most Likely to Succeed and In the Bag. Alyssa shares her writing adventures on her weekly Awkward Author vlog and podcast, and her reselling adventures on the Planet Alyssa channel. In the past, Alyssa has worked as a newspaper editor, a children's librarian, a book distributor sales rep, and a long, long time ago as a tavern wench complete with colonial-style costume. Her writing has appeared in a number of newspapers, magazines, and websites, and she is a monthly contributor to VA Outside the Lines. When we spoke for the podcast, I asked Alyssa to tell me how she got started in self-publishing in the first place. I actually started in on the traditional end of things. Uh, so my first three books were traditionally published, and I I was having trouble selling another novel. Um, at that point, at least, I guess my first book had gone out of print, um, but I didn't have the ebook rights back. I had the print books, the print rights back to the book, but not ebook. And I, I was still writing, but I, I couldn't sell my books. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to self-publish these books. Um, I self-published the nonfiction book first, my uh, How to Make Money Selling Vintage Items on Etsy book. Um, so I had a little bit of experience, but fiction is a different beast entirely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, you have stepped over to the dark side then from traditional publishing to self-publishing. I have, I have. Wow. So that's, let's explore this a little bit then. So three books traditionally published. Um, so so presumably you weren't raking in the millions from those then if you decided to go self-published. I definitely wasn't. And in fact, I can tell you this just today, uh, I got a royalty check in the mail. Now, this is on my first book that was um, that's it's been out of print for a little while now, almost a year now, but there's still some royalties trickling in. And I can tell you that my check for six months is a whopping one dollar and four cents. So You're kidding me. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> that is perfectly true. <laughs> wow. And this is I, this is really important because a lot of people think traditional is the holy grail. And I mean, can you give me a kind of indication of the sort of money you were making when you were traditionally published? Was it ten dollars, fifty dollars, hundred dollars or less? Um. Well, here's the thing. Um, with traditional publishing, in most cases, you get paid in advance up front. So that's an advance against your royalties. So you don't actually get any royalties uh, until your book earns out in advance. Now, I published three books traditionally. Only the first one ever earned out its advance. So that's the only one I've ever gotten royalties, you know, after being paid the advance, um, but not very much in royalties, I will say. And the advance was not very large either. It was basically like a month's income for me. So. Wow, that's that's really interesting. So did you do the traditional thing by getting an agent and then pitching and then getting the publisher? How, how did that work for you? Well, I've never done things in a normal way, I guess. I, I'm a little bit weird. So I ended up submitting my first book directly to the publisher. Now, 
Uh, this was not like a major publisher. This is a, a small press. They had just expanded. They had been around for a while. The publisher was Llewellyn, and uh, they were known for doing occult, uh, I'll say nonfiction books like the Witch's Almanac and, and things like that. But they had just decided to get into young adult fiction, which was pretty hot field at the time. So they had this new imprint called Flux, and they were looking for books. So I just submitted my book to the slush pile and waited forever and ever, gave up on it. Eventually heard back from the acquisitions editor there that he loved it, um, but he wanted me to make some changes to it. And uh, long story short, after months and months and months, I had a publishing contract. And I didn't actually get an agent until... I had an offer on my second book. And so I definitely went about things backwards and so got an agent after the fact and had an agent that represented me on the sale of my second and third books, but to the same publisher. And how did the traditional experience match your expectations? Um, it, in some ways, it was what I expected, and in some ways it wasn't. Um, again, I went with a small publisher, so that's always going to be a little bit different than going with a big publisher. But I happen to have a lot of friends who were basically in the same boat I was in. I was in a group of authors. We all had our deb debut young adult books coming out in 2011, and all through traditional publishers, but you know, different publishing houses. But even authors that were within the same publishing house, they had very different experiences in terms of the support they had, marketing support from their publisher. So that was interesting to see. So, you know, Flux did what they could for, for me. Um, you know, one of the big benefits, I think, for my first book uh, was that they had me sign at what's called BEA, Book Expo America, which is uh, a huge uh, national event. Um, fortunately for me, it, it was held in New York City, which is pretty close to me. But uh yeah, they give away books, but it's a trade event for booksellers primarily. So it is a good way to get your book out there. And I do think that did help me um, with the first book. So that was a benefit. But there was a limit to what they could do in terms of marketing. And like I said, I didn't get a huge advance uh, with publishing. Pretty much the bigger your advances, the more they're going to spend on marketing your book. So something to keep in mind. Mm, that's an interesting correlation. So if they give you £50... For your contract. <laughs> yeah, you know, forget it. <laughs> you know you're done for, don't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> did you uh, then have to go through, um, you said that some changes were needed with the book. Did you go through that traditional uh, author, editor kind of process where you were doing the revisions all the time? Um, there were a few rounds of edits uh, with all my books that I had traditionally published. Uh, so... You know, that first book was a little bit different because it wasn't actually accepted until I made those changes, which was basically writing a whole second half of the book because I, I was inexperienced and I kind of ended the book abruptly. And, and my editor was definitely right. Um, it really needed a part two to, to bring things together. But uh, for most of my books, how it worked is, you know, I submitted it. Um, there would be an initial round of edits, just kind of like big picture things. Uh, then they'd get back to me, the copy editor would get back to me with more edits, possibly another round of edits, and then they'd do some proofreading of it, which I usually wasn't involved in. At what point then did the tide turn for you in terms of think, starting to think about self-publishing? Well, really, it was just sort of necessity. Like, I wanted to keep writing and publishing books, and 
you know, sales of my second and third book weren't great. Um, so it really didn't matter, you know, how good the next book was. I wrote publishers weren't going to look at it because they were looking at the numbers, uh, you know, the sales numbers for my books, which were not great. Um, actually, at the time that my third book came out, it was it was a very chaotic time at the publisher. A lot of people were leaving. I guess they were having some financial difficulties because not too long after that, they actually sold the imprint to another publisher. So uh, I think that definitely affected sales. But yeah, with those sales numbers being low, I just couldn't sell another book. Uh, And so I wanted to write and publish books and self-publishing gave me the opportunity to do that. Where did the change of ownership leave you and your contracts? What happens in that situation? Um, everything transferred over. It worked out okay because I actually hadn't been able to get the ebook rights back for my first book. Initially, they just gave me the print rights back. Um, I had signed my contract in was it 2009, 2010, the, the ebook language, because ebooks weren't yet a big thing, was very vague. Um, and that is really my own fault, but, but also the, the language of the contract. Um, so they kept the ebook rights, but my book was in print, out of print. Um, so, you know, of course, with self-publishing, you want the ebook rights more than the print rights. Uh, and so I did try to get them back initially for the publisher. That did not happen. It was actually not until after they had sold um, to the other publisher. I wrote the other publisher and asked if I could have the ebook rights back at just like that. They're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, so that enabled me to, you know, republish that first book as a self published book. And then later, when my other two books went out of print, they were able to get those rights back to me too. So I just want to get, I was keen to get the chronology right. So are we talking now about the YA novels, Popular, Ferocity, Summer and Shadow Pond? Is that the thing? That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. Okay, great. And then you've got another nonfiction book, How to Make Money Selling Vintage Items on Etsy. Was that, was that trad too or was that always self? That was self-publishing. That was the first uh, book that I self-published. And the reason I decided to do that, well, I was selling vintage items on Etsy, so felt like I was sort of an expert at it. And I had a YouTube channel, my plan to list a YouTube channel, which um, continued to grow in popularity. There were like thousands of people that were subscribed to this channel. So I was like, well, I have a built in audience. People are always asking me questions about Etsy. I'm going to put out a book on it. Um, it isn't as fun to write nonfiction as it is to write fiction, but at the, it, it also kind of wrote itself because I really knew um, all of that stuff. I mean, that was what I did for a living. So it, it wasn't too difficult, I guess, to write it, just maybe not as fun as writing fiction. But uh, it gave me the experience of self-publishing a book. Um, I, I had no idea what I was doing, went into it blindly, but it seemed to work out okay. I've actually made a profit on it, so that's good. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you about nonfiction, that it's easier in many respects because you know the subject so well. Exactly, But, but it's yeah. more boring because it's like a brain dump, effectively. It's got all these exactly. ideas. i just got to write them all down. <laughs> So well done on that. Uh, so the nonfiction went well. So I think nonfiction's easier, actually, isn't it? Because it's just keywords, really. It is, yeah. And you could, I, I, it's very difficult, I think, to sell fiction without marketing. I think you could sell nonfiction without marketing if you have the right keywords and it's you know topics that people are looking at, looking for information on. So you, uh, well done on covering your money with, with that book because, you know, that, that, that isn't a small thing, is it? Most self-publishers will know that. Just covering your yes. expenses is a huge achievement. So well, well done with that. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. 
so where after that book then the non-fiction when did you start to write fiction again for self-publishing well i i had a manuscript written uh i wrote a book called unnamed roads and i really liked this book my agent at the time really liked it um and he submitted to a lot of publishers and it just it got rejected and like I said, I don't think it was necessarily the content, but more the sales history of my other two books um, that, you know, caused editors to say, OK, we can't take this on. Um, and I really wanted it to be a book. I love the characters. I love the story. And so I decided um, after my agent actually uh, decided to let me go after I wrote a an adult book that he also wasn't able to he, he didn't want to take that on it wasn't really his uh, wheelhouse I guess so I decided you know I'm going to go into self-publishing and so I self-published Unnamed Roads um, which is a YA contemporary book and which is what my other three books basically were but I would advise anyone that's considering self-publishing maybe not to go with YA Contemporary, only because it's a very difficult genre to sell as a self-published book, I have found. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yes, because I've done some YA, and uh, I, I guess mine's kind of more Hunger Gamesy Maze Runner, which yeah, makes it Yeah, well, easier. that you can do. That mm. you can definitely do. But, yeah, if you're going for the, you know, the coming-of-age story type thing, um, I, I would steer clear of that. Go for genre fiction you're going to have a definitely better success rate i would think when i look at your books in your sort of author profile there's one here that's got a portuguese edition is that is that yours or is that another Elisa grosso no that's me that's popular actually um my first book that's the one that earned out the advance it actually sold uh yeah the portuguese edition is actually brazil um it sold to brazil uh india it's an English language edition in India and Germany. There's a German edition too. So well, that's fantastic. So foreign it rights. Is. Yeah. Foreign rights, yeah. Well, and do you that's get paid extra? One. Is there any extra cash in there? Well, that's how I earned out my advance, Paul. Uh, that's, yeah, it was the money from those, uh, you know, those sales which the publisher sold for me that enabled me to earn out the advance on that book. Well, you're extremely. And, and the sales of the book. This is great. You're extremely accomplished. This is. Oh, you've done so- <laughs> You've done I don't loads feel of that things. way, but th- I don't feel that way. But thank you, Paul. I, I would say so. Yeah, you've done loads of great things. This is fantastic. So um, you've got this whole kind of back catalogue, and, and what a wonderful experience you've had as well um, with with tradition. I think that's fantastic. So I, I love your covers um, for Shallow Pond and Ferocity Summer. Did you did, are they the covers that sort of followed over when you got the rights back, or uh, did you have to get those done separately? Um, I did not get I do not have the rights to any of the original covers uh, for my books. So those I, I'm not even sure which covers you're looking for, at because there are multiple covers out there. But if it's like the bright colored blue and, and yellow ones, those are ones I did myself for those books. But um, it's those. Yeah. I, like, I, I, <laughs> okay. I really like I like the font and I Thank like you. the style. Yeah. Is that's not your artwork, is it? It's not my artwork. I purchased the artwork. All oh, right. I thought you were going to reveal to us that you're a fantastic artist as well. I am not. I am not. I promise you. <laughs> well, they're great covers. They're, you know, they're oh, beautifully branded. I think you know, very, very strong. I really like those. Uh, they're great. So, okay, we're 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 well into self-publishing then. What what do you like on the tech? I'm I'm guessing because you've got YouTube channels and things like that that you're pretty good at this stuff. I I'd, I'd say I'm in the middle. I mean, I. I get very overwhelmed by everything and, you know, it's hard to keep up with everything, but I, you know, I've always done my own website and 
I mean, with WordPress, so, you know, I can figure it out that way. But, I mean, back in the day, I made websites with actual, like, HTML coding and stuff. So I have some experience with the tech stuff, but I also feel like I have to learn stuff along the way constantly. Mm. And so when you write uh, as a a self-publisher, are you using the Scriveners, the Vellums, all the tools? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I couldn't do it without. And Scrivener's is amazing for me because trying to write in word is just to me it's a nightmare especially the way I work like I just I don't always work in a linear linear fashion and that's kind of how you have to do it if you're using word and one of the things that frustrates me and I I have to come up with a better system for this is when um, you know when I'm at the stage that I want to hire a copy editor they all work with word files and you know track changes in word which you know, I understand, like, that's, I guess, the standard. But to me, even having to, you know, transfer something, you know, out of Scrivener into Word and then work on the edits in Word. And, and then when I'm trying to transfer it back to, like, Vellum, I'm losing formatting. So I have to come up with a system that works for me because I, I really don't like using Word. Um, I've gotten so spoiled by using Scrivener. And uh, Vellum is just, uh, I, I think I, my first, uh, how to, uh, how to sell vintage items on Etsy, I formatted that, I think, using Scrivener or possibly Word. And it was a lot of work, a lot of work, and uh, a lot of hair pulling involved in that. And Vellum is just, it's just so, so easy to use. Uh, it's its great. Yeah, I'm becoming known as Mr. Vellum on this podcast. because <laughs> I, I know you're talking about it, but it's great. It's its wonderful tool. There's no going back, is it? Once you've used it, I think. No, you, no. It's, it's the perfect software, I think. And I don't say that about many softwares, but Vellum <laughs> is the perfect software. Well, and I had this crazy idea with, I, I have um, a new thriller out, and it's my first adult fiction book. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to put out a large print edition too. I was listening to Joanna Penn talking all about large print editions. And you can't do a large print edition at the moment with Vellum. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll try formatting using Word. That wasn't working. Okay, I'll do it in Scrivener. Um, I, I spent I don't know how long trying to format it correctly to get it to upload. And long story short is I ended up not doing a large print edition. But, um, yeah, I mean, Vellum, it's like you press a few buttons and you're done. And it's just great. Are you using it on a Mac or a PC when you use Vellum? I am a Mac user. So, yeah, I'm using it on a Mac. Yeah, okay. And and to be fair, you know, it's built for Mac, so it is more straightforward that way. I use it on a PC, and uh, I had a, an issue with it recently where I got the chapters round the wrong way around because it's very well, slightly laggy on a PC. Mm, yeah, I could see that happening because it's, it's so easy to drag things out of place. I, I think I did that with something, and then I was like, oh, wait, that's wrong. And, you know, I realized it right away at least, but it could it's very easy. Like, I think you could do that, especially with... If you just move the mouse wrong or something. Yeah, and that, that, that was exactly it. So when you're doing, I mean, when you're doing box sets, I don't think you've done any box sets yet, have you? But no, when, no, I don't have enough to do that yet. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's a thing of great joy because you just drag the books in and you've got a box set in no time. And again, anybody who's tried to do that, you know, with Word or in any other way, it's just a night. It's almost an impossibility, I would say. It's just Yeah, horrible. yeah, I would think so, yeah. So you're getting on well with the tech, you're using Scrivener, using Vellum, which, to be honest with you, is becoming really part of the basic toolkit i think for most authors i, I most people are, are using that and most people are rejecting word which is interesting these days <laughs> it's the way it's going isn't it i think i think so so you you started with ya 
and mm-hmm. um, and nonfiction, obviously. When did you decide to move from YA to to, to thrillers? Now, isn't it thrillers who changed genre now? Changed genre. Um, while I was waiting uh, for for unnamed roads to sell, you know, it was out there on submission, and uh, that's one other thing I will say about traditional publishing: it moves very, very slowly. There is an awful lot of waiting involved. I mean, you know, my first book, Popular, came out came out in May of 2011. I believe I first submitted it in December of 2008. So no. just, yes, no. yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so that gives you an idea of how slowly traditional publishing moves. So while I was sitting around waiting for unnamed roads to sell, I had to write something. I, I go crazy if I'm not working on something. So I, I had this idea for a long time, started out as a short story uh, about this cursed high school class. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write this novel. It's going to become a novel. And so it was while I was waiting for that that I wrote the first draft of uh, what became Girl Most Likely to Succeed. It's gone through many drafts since then. But uh, that's, yeah, it was just kind of born out of boredom, I guess, on my part. And um, the cover, is that, that's again, not, is that your work or, or not? Is that somebody else done that? Uh, I designed the cover. I I didn't actually draw any of the artwork that's on there. So that's all purchased artwork and, you know, I put it together. I do some graphic design work, which is a whole nother field that I, I you know, I sell some, uh, I sell t-shirts on Amazon mostly um, and other places as well. So I do some graphic design stuff. So I figured... I could try to design a cover, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, I know there are better covers out there, but I think I can make something passable. So that's what I'm using at the moment, saving a little bit of money there while spending money elsewhere. And how did you find the change of, of genre? I, mean, I always found YA a little bit difficult. I've sold all my YA books, I think, to adults, not children. Um, so, so with thrillers, you're now selling to a, an adult audience. Oh, yeah, it's a complete difference. I mean, I'm actually selling books now, which is nice. Um, I'm spending a lot of money on advertising, so i got to figure out how to spend less money on advertising and still sell as many books. But I, I can sell them, and I can actually advertise them. Um, you know, it's very difficult, I think, to find... Uh, the genre I was writing YA contemporary readers with, with ads even, you know, I mean, uh, it, it was very difficult for me anyway. So it's a huge difference. I think, you know, writing to a market that's definitely much easier to market to, if that makes sense. The the other thing that's uh, interesting about your author profile, I will just ask you about this is you've got under one profile, for instance, nonfiction, YA and thrillers and i'm uh, all over the map <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, you've heard about also boards and things like that haven't you i know i know well i'll tell you something i did with the thrillers uh, so i i have a uh, girl most likely to succeed and i put out a novella too uh in the bag at the same time kind of using that to promote girl most likely to succeed but something i did which it's not on the cover of the book but uh, on Amazon, on the other bookstores, the actual author name on there is Alyssa Seagrasso. I used my middle initial C. And my understanding is that by doing that, that keeps those books separate from my other books, if that makes sense. So uh, that is my way of hopefully not messing up the also bots for my thrillers anyway. 
Now, my understanding of that, I'll just, I'll, I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but I tell you, because I've done this for three times. So I use Paul yeah, Teague, you- Paul J Teague, and P Teague. And, okay. And the way I did it was I set up separate Amazon author profiles for each hmm. author name. And that way it pulls them into separate author profiles. That's what I did with mine. And I haven't had that mix. So okay. separate author profile for separate name was the way I did it. Now, I don't know whether that's the right way because what you're saying also makes sense to me. But so if I click on your Alyssa Grosso names, it takes me to your Alyssa Grosso author profile but what i think you've done is claimed Alyssa Seagrosso and your Alyssa and this is getting complicated i have yeah. i have so i don't know have, yeah the trick is to have an Alyssa Seagrosso profile and then okay. to claim it on that profile and then i think it, you know i'm not an expert on this but that, that, <laughs> yeah. that that's what i did it's probably the blind okay. the blind isn't it but that no I, no you've definitely got way more experience than i do so i i have learned a lot just from listening to your podcast so brilliant. i have to say well yeah. that, that was that was my strategy and so i've got three well, I, I've stopped doing the non-fictions now, but I, so mm-hmm. I've got two um, author profiles which are completely distinct. And say, my understanding is I'm no, no expertise on this. That then you know people will buy thrillers, and you'll get the thriller also bought in my thriller name. Um, so, yeah, so it's just maybe worth trying. But I didn't. You have to use different email addresses, of course. Um, mm. I've got three different email addresses for each profile, and I get completely confused which is which. But uh, <laughs> I, I generally sort of manage to sort it out, you know, in the end. But uh, it might it just might help as you're going into thrillers now. That's all. Thank you. Thank you for that tip. There we go. Well, it's not very often I'm helpful, so that's great. There. <laughs> so with, with thrillers then, does it give you more sort of scope as a writer to, you know, to tackle different kinds of uh, issues and topics? Um, I, I guess so. I, you know, I definitely like writing for the adult audience. I feel like you don't have quite as many limits as you have in YA. Now, I wasn't writing, you know, I, I had bad words in my YA. They weren't like, you know, cleaned up. They're definitely for, you know, older teens. But, uh, you know, I'm a grown up, so I kind of feel like I can speak to grown ups, even though I still like the young adult stuff. And I haven't ruled out writing more young adult books in the future. Yeah, I, I like the language. I, uh, somebody wrote to me to tell me I taught them a great English swear word and they, <laughs> and they couldn't stop using it now, which I just think I just think is a hilarious kind of testimonial to get from a reader. Here's me spreading English culture. Across the <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's my gift to the uh, to literary uh, fiction. That is so. That's as good as it's going to get. I think. Mm. <laughs> now, I when I was researching, I didn't know this about you when we were sort of speaking online. But when I was doing the research for this chat, I found your excellent YouTube. Um, channel which i just think is absolutely brilliant i absolutely love it and well, uh, i was watching lots of your, your videos y- yesterday when i was you know, doing all the <laughs> writing and notes for this uh, and it's called awkward author is it why awkward author is it I, I was wondering why you've chosen that because you're not awkward on camera at all so presumably oh, for another well, reason. thank you yeah you might not have seen the earliest videos now, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um i definitely felt awkward you know filming myself that wasn't really uh, it wasn't something i had done before when i got into that and uh yeah, I started that a long time ago. Just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what made me. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. I was like, yeah, I'll start my own YouTube channel and uh, talk about being an author. And I was pretty goofy in definitely the earliest ones I made. And uh, now I'm pretty much serious, I guess. I mean, I'm still myself, so I'm a little bit goofy sometimes. But uh, 
Yeah, it's just me talking about being an author, really. <laughs> yeah, but that's what people love. You know, the, the um, podcast diary that I do, which is, I mean, yours is very similar, I think, to what to what I'm doing, which is it's just you telling people how it is. And mm-hmm. th- there's nothing, you know, fancy about it. We haven't got lighting nope. effects or anything. It's, <laughs> oh, it's definitely just, not. <laughs> this is this is just how it is. Uh, but I think people, I, that's the best stuff I've ever done. My podcast diary is the best response I've ever had to anything I've done online. And I've been doing oh, I it love for it. a while. It's- it's great. And I actually, I'll tell you this, Paul, I discovered you on YouTube because uh, I'm not a huge podcast listener, but I'm, apparently I spend a lot of time on YouTube. At YouTube, And um, I think this was back in the spring. Uh, you, you definitely filmed one of your podcasts. You were in Scotland, I believe. Yes, uh, yes. And, and so that's what I saw. And that's how I discovered your podcast. But uh, so you never know how people are going to find you. Well, that's really <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Because I don't usually do. Um, I know. I don't, I don't do it on camera usually. <laughs> Um, and I've just literally just done one, which is my kind of, you know, story of publishing. But um, no, I mean, I th- you know, I think you see people and you kind of relate to them. And, and mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, my generations are just a little bit more scared of going on video, really. You know, we're, <laughs> we're a bit more reticent about it because uh, we didn't grow up with videos in our face, you know, every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't either. I'm definitely one of the older people on YouTube. That's for sure. <laughs> but it, it works brilliantly. And um, I, I really love your updates. I, I like it so much and it sort of fits so well with what i do i just say that i've added it to my youtube channel now so you can add playlists to the front page and i've added you and patrick sheriff's uh, youtube videos because you're just doing stuff that is so you know it's in keeping with my kind of audience and what i'm doing so um you know th- thank you for that it's great content oh, well thank you for adding us yeah I-, I love the videos but i was watching um i was watching one in may yesterday and it's painfully honest <laughs> um, when, when I do my diary, sometimes I think, do you know, I'm, I wince sometimes at the things mm-hmm. I say because it's, it's painful, isn't it? Sometimes when you, you're coming back month after month saying, well, you know, another bad month. <laughs> Here we go again. But your income report, um, was, was $25 uh, that month. Um, mm. because, and, and I think it had been a bit higher, but you'd spent a lot on ads. And that's true. Uh, but you see, I think this is so important that people can hear this stuff. Uh, so important. Um, because otherwise you get, you, you, you tend to hear from the people making millions and it makes you feel as if you're failing constantly. So I, you know, congratulations. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so yeah, important. Yeah, it's, it's good to be real out there. And I, I started the Awkward Author channel, actually. That was my first YouTube channel besides, you know, I had a channel where I just put some trailers of my books. But um, I started Awkward Author. And at the time, I was selling a lot of stuff online that's reselling as my day job. And so I started making videos about that um, and on a separate channel. And that's the channel, actually, that took off. But uh, there, there's a lot of people that make reselling videos. And there's all different sorts of people that make them. And my style was just being honest and being real. And um, I think a lot of people appreciate that. So I didn't always make a lot of money, um, but I was always transparent and, you know, showed people, well, this is how it works. And, uh, you know, there's different styles, of course. Everyone has a different way of doing things, but that's kind of me. That's how I do things. I really felt your pain when I was... (laughs) (laughs) Because so many of us, that's where we're all stuck, isn't it? You know, we're all... We're all doing, you're doing the work, I'm doing the work. But it's so frustrating, isn't it, when you, mm. you try everything and you just can't make enough blasted money. And, and, and I, I assume this is where you are at the moment. You can make some sales, but not enough sales. Exactly. I, I'm i preparing to, to make a video tomorrow with my new income report. And uh, it's, it's going to be my worst one so far because I spent a lot of money on advertising and I didn't make as much money on sales of books. So I will have a, a negative number to report. 
So let, let's d- dig into that a little bit then. When you're advertising, where, where are you advertising your books? Um, so I'm pretty new at this and I'm, I'm trying and to figure out what works. So I spent a lot of money on BookBub, kind of in part to try to find what would work uh, for my books. So part of it's research um, that hopefully would bring in some sales. And so I did, I definitely could sell books, you know, advertising could sell books. Now I just got to figure out how to sell them at a profit. But so mainly it was BookBub. I also did some Facebook ads and some AMS ads. And these are AMS ads in the USA, not the UK yet? Yes, the USA. Okay, so which were you finding better for you? Um, it's it's tough to say. Um, I, I Like I said, I spent a lot of money on BookBub. So I those drove the most sales, but I also spent the most money there. Um, so as far as return on investment... Um, it's probably a close tie between the Facebook ads, which I only ran a couple of Facebook ads, and the AMS ad that I was running. So, and neither one of them was actually profitable. So, so it's it's going to be figuring out how to make it profitable. Now, part of the problem is I only have one book that I'm promoting, and for the first two weeks of its launch, I had it priced at dollar ninety nine, which means the royalties are very low on it so i've actually upped the price to 399 which was my plan and perhaps at the higher price point um i can start to see a positive return on investment with the ads yeah it is it's very frustrating do you do any of the um the free stuff the kind of book bub i keep going to call it insta free but i must get used to calling it um whatever it's called now <laughs> profitable oh, whatever oh, it is yeah the strange name yeah um I, I haven't yet. I mean, I've applied for some book bubs, but have not actually been accepted for any. Um, and my hope is, you know, I have to obviously get, you know, reviews and, and stuff to actually even get a book bub. Um, so then my hope is by the time I'm ready to maybe release another thriller, um, I will be able to put my current one on a free free promotion with book bub or, or maybe another site and see how that'll work. And how about the idea of, of writing in series, for instance? So are, are those thrillers linked in any way? Do they have anything, any sort of in common? No, I was not smart enough to do that, but that is my plan. So I'm actually working on a book right now, which I'm planning to have as the first in a series, um, which means I really got to get my act together because I'm going to write three books in this series and I haven't even finished the first one. Um, but I think in the meantime, I'll probably put out another standalone book just so I'm putting out something and not taking forever to get another book out. So how how fast do you write then? How long will it take you to write a, um, I don't know how long you're writing to, but a, you know, a full length novel? Yeah, I I am not sure. Um, it's, it's hard to say. Like the only book so far that I've really written quickly, which wasn't a full length book, it was actually a novella. Um, in the bag. I wrote that pretty quickly, I would say, by my own standards. Now, I know there's people that do like nano and stuff and write books in a month. I, I take longer than that, definitely. But I think um, working seriously on it, like maybe in three months, I would be able to have a finished, you know, a finished manuscript, um, which, you know, be a first draft. But I, I think I could do that. So I know there are people that write a lot quicker. I don't think I'm quite at that level. I'm also not doing this full time yet. So, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> I've just noticed also that Girl Most Likely to Succeed is a hardcover version too. I haven't done a hardcover yet. Can you talk me through what that involved? 
Well, I I decided to put it out. Like I said, I'm like, ah, I'll do it all. You know, I was going to do a large print, which I didn't do. Um, I did the hardcover through Ingram Spark. So the paperbacks through, um, well, now it's it's KDP. It used to be CreateSpace. But, but now it's all through Amazon, through Kindle. Um, and then the hardcover I did through Ingram Spark. And um, the, it... As you know, it's it's free to publish, you know, your paperback with KDP. It's actually not free to publish with KDP or Ingram Spark. I'm sorry. Uh, there is a setup fee involved. So I I will see if I can earn back the money from the setup fee on sales of the hardcover, which is, of course, considerably more expensive than the paperback because it just costs more to produce. But I did want to have that out there. I know I, I used to be I used to work for libraries and I used to work for a book distributor that sold to libraries. So I know libraries are kind of reluctant to go with paperback books only because they don't really hold up too well. So I wanted to have a hardcover out there just for the possibility of maybe, you know, selling to libraries too. And there are some people that just prefer a hardcover to a paperback too. I know that. I'll give you another tip on this to save you some money. Are you familiar with the Alliance of Independent Authors? I am. I am. They always have a live code uh, in circulation that allows you to get uh, free um, setup costs on Ingram oh, Spark. So when I started, good to know. And, and honestly, it'll, it'll cover the price. What One book usually covers the price of your revisions and your, your, yeah. your book. Um, it's well worth doing. And um, I'll tell you off Thank air. You. I'll tell you off air a little trick later too um, okay <laughs> thanks Bob. but the official version is if <laughs> if you join the alliance of independent authors there's always a code in circulation for nice. members and it will and honestly it covers it covers I, i've done loads of paperbacks in, in ingram spark and it just saves me a fortune on the setup cost, yeah. which i paid yeah. first time and because i was broke first time um when i when i started in 2014 um you know i couldn't i couldn't afford those costs at all mm. Um, and and you have to do it with Ingram Spark. If you sort of submit it and then there's a problem with it, you have to pay again for the revision. Exactly, it, exactly. It, it clocks up, doesn't it? And I, that was outrageous to me when you've done Create Space. So mm. I I stopped it. And then when I found these codes, I thought, you know, blimey, it's worth yeah. the number of books I've got and you've got. It's worth several times, you know, the amount of uh, an Alliance of Independent Authors membership. Um, so they, awesome. Yeah, and there's always a current code in circulation. Um, you know, from some, usually from their kind of indie author, uh, whatever they call them, the, the, the sort of, they do them every three months or something. There's always something going on. So I'll, remind me to tell you another tip off air as well. Okay. <laughs> as well. Nice. I, I can't publish that one. I can't put the one out there. <laughs> um, it'll save you a lot of money. Though. So, um, you do reselling now, uh, on Amazon. And I just, I just want to dig into this because, um, Selling on sort of Amazon, um, not books, but items, you, mm -hmm. you make your living out of it, I believe. So you're I obviously do. doing do. very well at selling something on Amazon. So <laughs> I'm just interested to know, what does reselling on Amazon involve for people who've not heard of it before? And and kind of, you know, presumably there are some skills with that that you could carry forward to self-publishing. Um, I, I guess so. And reselling on Amazon is, I mean, there's all different ways to go about it. There are people who... Um, you know, just go to like thrift stores and, and do that. I started actually selling on Amazon a long time ago and I started with books. I started with used books, uh, mostly nonfiction. And at the time it was, it was pretty easy to make money reselling um, 
nonfiction books on maybe obscure topics, less popular topics, um, things that had gone out of print. This was before, long before Kindle, uh, before, you know, you can find anything on Google Books. And I, I sold the books. I shipped them to customers directly. And um, I made some extra money that way. And it wasn't until many years later that um, I started doing what's called FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon, which means... I don't actually ship anything to customers. Amazon takes care of all that. All I do is send stuff off to Amazon warehouses and Amazon ships it to customers. And I think people have probably bought FBA items without even realizing they're not buying from Amazon, that they're buying from a third party seller because it's, you know, it's this, the system is very seamless as far as, you know, it's, it's available prime, you know, you just place your order and you get the item. And all I do, um, is I actually just deal with new things now. I go to stores, uh, buy stuff that's selling for more money on Amazon than selling for in stores. A lot of times these are, you know, clearance items or, you know, items that have wound up at different discount stores. Um, And so I ship those things off to Amazon and then people buy them and Amazon gives me a cut of the sale. Amazon does take a lot of money for themselves though too. So, uh, but uh, again, I, I'm not really that intelligent about it. I have an app that tells me, you know, I scan things in the store and it says, okay, you can make money on this. So that's kind of what I do. What's the app called? I'm really interested because I have looked at um, this FBA uh, and, I, you know, like you, I've sold books and things on Amazon. They always go. Uh, mm-hmm. Computer games, you know, kids stuff and things like that yep. always goes. And um, I was looking at importing from China. We were investigating that, at, uh, you know, doing it in bulk. And there's a lot of sellers that do that and, you know, earn a full-time living doing that too. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite amazing. And because it's, um, you know, because it, it's keywords, it's not like fiction again. It's it's back down to a keyword and matching mm-hmm. keywords. Um, yep. I, I kind of know that territory, you know, well. And so I have been exactly. very tempted by it. So, so what's the what's the app you're using? I mean, this is for personal use, nothing to do with writing. Sorry, everybody. Just sort of go make a cup of tea for a moment. That's why I get this information. Uh, well, they might be interested too. You know, authors have to make a living too. Um, so Profit Bandit is the app I use. It's a it's a paid app, and um, it's definitely worth the you know monthly fee that I pay them because it makes me a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by this. So, <laughs> so Profit Bandit, and and this is just in stores, finding stuff that you can sell. You can buy it in bulk, sell it cheaper, and make your markup on it. Exactly. Exactly. Now I do know because I, I've dug in. I have dug into this pr- pretty deeply. I've done. Mm-hmm. I've, I bought a course on it to learn it and things like that. But I, I do know that um, you know, just like writing book blurbs and things like that, you can optimize pages. You've got keywords. You've got headings. You've got photography. All of these things feature a really good uh, Amazon listing. So are you doing all of this when you're doing your reselling? See, I actually am not because. I'm not really listing my own products. I'm listing stuff that's already in the Amazon catalog. So honestly, all I do is, you know, I go to the store, I buy something. I don't know. I find a toy at the discount store that's, you know, $5 and it's selling for Amazon for $20, say. Um, But it's already there as part of the catalog. So all I have to do is, you know, scan it in on my computer, say I have one to sell and, the listing's already there. I don't really have to do anything. So I, I'm really lazy. Wow. And, and so this is uh, this is kind of what we want as authors. 
automated income from customers that we don't even have to deal with. That's that's, that's what true. We're after. That's true. There is some work involved. You know, I've got oh two hundred some items downstairs right now that I got to box up and ship off to Amazon. So there's some work involved in it, but uh, it 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 is. I, I've sold you know elsewhere. I've sold on Etsy. I've sold on eBay, and selling stuff on Amazon is just so much easier because. I don't have to sit there and make listings and take photos of things and do all that stuff. So it gives me more time to to write and I can still make a very good living with Amazon. Did I tell you, will you write a book, please? Please write a book on this. <laughs> this is really interesting stuff. Yeah, well, I can't give away all my secrets, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is good. But I mean, so you're, you're making a living and you're self-employed as a result of this? Yes, yes. Yeah, but that's fantastic. I mean, that's that's brilliant because I'm, I'm wondering why you're even bothering writing books. To be honest with you, if you if you've made this work, I mean, presumably that's a passion. Then the writing the books, the the books is a passion. I mean, the the Amazon stuff is is how I make a living, but I can't say I love it. You know, I can't say it's like I get up in the morning and you know want to go to the store and buy stuff. Uh, you know, it's what I do for a living. It's like punching a time clock, I guess. But you can outsource it. You 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 can pay a kit to go around the shops. To- <laughs> And, and outsource it. You've got, you got, you got to outsource it. You've got, to, you've got to treat it like a business, and then you could just sit there and take the profits. It, that is one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I, I'm very excited <laughs> in this. The, the wheels are turning. <laughs> they are. I know. Well, I, I, you know, I, it's fascinating. When people are, you know, achieve a, an income from something that's based online, you mm. know, um, in a sustainable, ongoing basis. It's a hell of an achievement to do that. Um, it is tough to do, I have to say. Well, it oh, is tough. You. It is tough to do. I've been trying to do it for ages, you know, in a sustainable way. I can't, I can do it in fits and starts, but I can't do mm-hmm. it in a sustainable way. That's, that's my kind of Achilles heel, really. Um, yeah, I've, I've made, been there. Yeah, but you're doing it in a way that you could sort of predict and guarantee income by the sounds of it. At the moment, yes. I'm always worried because Amazon's always changing things and, you know, suddenly I can't sell this anymore or I can't do this. So there's always the chance at some point it could all go away. I, I live with that fear. <laughs> well, you know, good for you. It's, it's brilliant. And to be self-employed on the internet, you know, is, is a huge achievement. It's really good. Um, I, I'm just so presumably then you're wanting to kind of up the income with the books and then you'll wind down when you wind down the kind of Amazon reseller stuff then. I would love to, um, but I think I'm a long way from that right now. And does the Amazon reseller, does that bootstrap the writing? Is it kind of, you take the money from, yes. yeah, it's bootstrapping yes. the whole thing, is it? Yeah, that's what's funding my writing career at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant model. It's uh, it's such <laughs> it's such a good model because, you know, you've either got to do what I do, which is to go out and work three days a week to pay, you know, to pay to keep the roof mm-hmm. over your head, or, or you could do, so I'd rather be doing something like you're doing because you're your own boss in that environment. Yeah, and I can set my own schedule to an extent too. So that is very nice because I've obviously, you know, I've had regular jobs too. And it's tough. It's tough to write when you have a regular job. I know that. How fast could you get this going? Can I have it done by next week, by the by the way? <laughs> <laughs> it takes a little time, but this is a perfect time of year to, uh, this is uh, when I make a huge amount of my income because of course, you know, Christmas shopping season, November and December are Big earning months for me on Amazon. Mm, uh, Black Friday's huge, isn't it? And all of these. Oh things. yes, yes, oh. yes. <laughs> well, I think that's fascinating. I'm going to have a look at that app after we've chatted because uh, I have had my eye on this for a while. Um, this this Amazon Lark because it's a nice um, 
you know, business that you can run from anywhere. You don't have to deal with customers, which is always a blessing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. And and I know your 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 post. So the, the model I was looking at is where you you have um you have products made in China and they're shipped directly from China to FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. Yep. Um, and and that's definitely one way to do it. Um. What, what do they call it? White labeling, I think a lot of yes, businesses call that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You put your own sticker on it, and it, and it looks like yours. And mm-hmm. was it, somebody was telling me, and I, I heard a story when I was doing the training on this that somebody had done like, like you do. They'd, they'd gone to a local factory or something, and they bought something like five thousand toothbrushes, and then oh they'd put a sticker <laughs> on the toothbrushes saying they were dog toothbrushes. Okay. And you know, like <laughs> made the price ten times what they were because they were dog- and they sold and made a fortune from dog toothbrushes, and they were just human toothbrushes, which is just huh. brilliant, isn't it? Mm. There's your next idea. Yeah, there's some creative <laughs> people out there. I just, I love this stuff. I just love it. So, I know I think that's brilliant that you're bootstrapping the business and that's working well for you. I, I did also notice when I was digging around um, an Indiegogo Uh-oh. project. Oh, I, I think that was for the Awkward Author channel, actually, when I was starting that up. That's when I was I used an Indiegogo uh, campaign to to fund the creation of that channel. I bought some lights and uh, some equipment to use. How yeah. did that work for you? Was that, That's crowdfunding effectively, isn't it? It's crowdfunding. It was pretty much everyone was people I knew. Um, so family, friends, my boyfriend, uh, those were my big donors. Oh, okay. I think that's a lot of people's experience of that, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> when you run out of family, you're done for. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested to know what your plans are then. You, you, you haven't ruled out YA, but you're writing thrillers for adults now. You're bootstrapping the business. What? What? And you've been at it for a while. So, so 2011. I mean, you you submitted. You said 2008, I think, didn't you? And then 2011 yes, is yes. when you got the. I can't believe that was three years. <laughs> it was. It was not quite three full years because I think it was December 2008, May 2011. But yeah, um, it's a very slow moving business. Uh, I will say about that book. This is an interesting story. That book was actually supposed to come out in March of 2011. And it had a different title and a different cover. You know, the publisher um, had actually, my original title for that book, Popular, was The Balderdash Semesters, which I realize is kind of a mouthful and probably not a very good cover uh, title. So my publisher decided to change it to The Subrosa Semesters, which um, you're probably like, what did she just say? Um, I, it's yeah. apparently a, a Latin term. They use it in law. That means something that's secret, um, which what would happen is, you know, I was telling people about my book. I was telling bookstore owners, librarians, that sort of thing. And everyone had the same question. What, what, what is the word? How do you spell that? What does it mean? Um, so that was not a good place to be in. And what happened was, you know, the publisher has sales staff whose job it is to go out and get your book into bookstores. I mean, that's a benefit to traditional publishing at the time, this was back in 2011, early 2011, um, there were two major bookstore chains in the U.S. Borders has since closed. They actually went out of business in 2011. But uh, the sales staff from Flux went out to the bookstores and the bookstore buyers at uh, both the, you know, the YA buyer at both Borders and Barnes & Noble were like, we're not going to buy it with that title. Uh, Borders hated the cover. And so I got an email from my editor. It was like, it said red alert or something like that. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, um, we're going to need to change the title and we're probably going to change the cover. And so 
yeah, it ended up getting pushed back two months, uh, the publication of that book, as we changed it to popular. Uh, they changed the cover, and um, they changed the ISBN number, too. So there are, like, phantom traces of the Sabrosa semesters out there under a, you know, a different ISBN number. So crazy. Wow. But, yeah, but there's a big lesson in that. Number one is that, well, <laughs> a couple of lessons. You know, number one, traditional can get it wrong, really oh, yeah. wrong. But also, it's never over till it's over. You could just change the cover <laughs> and change the title, just reinvent the thing. That's right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that's true for self-publishing and traditional publishing. So something good to keep in mind. Yeah, just snap on a new cover, snap on a new title, and it's a brand new book as far as anybody else is concerned. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a good lesson in there. Okay, so um, what comes next for you then? What, what, what are you going to do next? That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. Um, like I said, I am working on additional thrillers. I'm working on the first one part of a series. Also, I think going to be starting a standalone one. Um, probably that standalone thriller will be the next book I publish, but I'd also like to write a sequel to my book, Unnamed Roads, at some point, even though, um, you know, it's not a big seller for me. It is something I'd like to do at some point down the road, but probably next, um, these thriller projects will be what, what I'm going to be putting my time into. And when does the book Amazon Reselling Secrets come out? And, (laughs) and, And can I proofread it, please? I might wait to, to put that out until, you know, I I can give away all my secrets. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm dying to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, though, you know, my Planet Alyssa YouTube channel has a lot of stuff about reselling. And some of my most watched videos on there are basically how to prepare a shipment for Amazon FBA. Um, just a very simple tutorial. And uh, people love that video. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm out <laughs> I'm going to start a new career. Right, well, to, f- to finish off then with Alyssa, can you just let us know, I mean, I've, I've bigged up your Awkward Author channel. I'll put that on the show notes. But where else can people find out about you? Um, my website, alyssagrasso.com, A-L-I-S-S-A-G-R-O-S-S-O.com, um, you know, has all the information about my books and me. Um, that's, that's where you'll find me. That was YA nonfiction and thriller writer Alyssa Grosso. Coming up on the podcast next week, I'll be chatting to Edwin Downward, a long-time listener to this show and a writer of sci-fi stories. Edwin lives in Vancouver, Canada, and I've been looking forward to getting him booked in as a guest for some time now, as we've been chatting on Twitter for, it seems like, over a year, maybe two years. That's it for now. I'll have another edition of Paul's Podcast Diary for you on Saturday. Until then, have a great week of writing. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.